Hello, and welcome to another episode of The King's Business, a podcast designed to help business leaders apply biblical principles in both their personal and professional lives. I want to thank you for joining us today, and it is my hope that you will walk away with added wisdom to your life so you can go into the world and be a positive influence on others by doing The King's Business. As always, here's a layout that each episode will generally follow. First, we will introduce the week's topic. Next, we will connect it to scriptural references and examples. Then, we will identify ways we can apply these biblical teachings into our leadership of others, both personally and professionally. Finally, we will close with open-ended questions you can answer personally or share with your followers or teams for deeper discussion. Well, without further ado, let's get to this week's topic, Handling Success. As we like to do on this show, I think it's always important to define the topic we're going to be discussing for the week so that we're always on the same page and we're all working off of the same definition. So let's look at a couple different definitions for success. I found three that I really like. Here they are. Success is the accomplishment of an aim or purpose, the degree or measure of succeeding, and one who succeeds. Okay, let's break these down. So Success is an accomplishment of an aim or purpose. Okay, I think we can all agree with that one. The second definition, the degree or measure of succeeding. This is interesting. We don't, I don't think we always think of success as something that is happening in the present. You know, it's, it's being active. And the last one is success is the one that succeeds. I think this is interesting too, because we can kind of dig into this and figure out what does that mean? What does this look like? How do we define success? Is there a you know, an absolute of what success is, or is it more of a subjective thing? So let's look at a couple things of what does success look like? How can we identify it? First one is this, when we do the achievement of a goal, okay, so that's, that's personal, that's professional, that's completing a big project at work, that is hitting a weight goal for your personal fitness, that is running that marathon you've always wanted to do, that's paying off the debt that's been hanging over your head, that's that's an achievement. You set a goal and you've achieved it. Now, it's really important to remember that in order to achieve the goal, we got to set it in the first place. So remember that there are two parts to that equation. If you want to have achievement in hitting a goal, you have to have the goal in the first place. So we first of all have to be intentional about what is it that you know we're going to be achieving here? What are we trying to do, so to speak? Okay, that's one. Let's look at another one. Success looks like this. When we are moving close to a goal, Okay, that's again, professionally, we're moving in the right direction of hitting our goal, or I'm continuing to move up the corporate ladder to reach the position that I'm striving for. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the C-suite, maybe that's some kind of an executive, but you're moving in that direction. Your health is getting better. Okay, you're losing the weight you've wanted to lose. You're putting on the muscle you've wanted to put on. You're getting up a flight of stairs without getting out of breath. These are all good things. Let's look at it from the mental. You know, you're, you're growing the development of your mind. You know, you're identifying books you need to read, podcasts you need to listen to, you know, audiobooks that you can listen to on the way to work, things that are going to help sharpen you, that are going to refine you, that are going to make you more valuable in the workplace, but also to help you reach the potential and capacity that God has already put inside of you. Let's look at one more. Success looks like this. It is the consistent process of continued success. Now that Sounds kind of weird. So let's unpack that for a second. The consistent process of continued success. So when we see a person who consistently hits their goals, okay, they're consistently improving in areas they have made it clear they're improving in. They are 
hitting the goals that have been clearly set before them. Now, again, this is kind of tricky because if you haven't publicized what does success look like, what are my goals, then people aren't always going to know that you're successful. If you're a very private person, people may have no idea heads or tails, you know? So for that one to be apparent, that's going to be more of an outwardly projection or more of an outward behavior from how people are understanding our actions. Okay, so we've defined success. We know what success should look like when we see it, but when can success be a bad thing? And you might say, Johnny, never. Success is always a great thing. Well, maybe, but I'd like to share with you a couple of thoughts and see if maybe I don't persuade you to at least open your ideas up to the possibility that success can be a bad thing. Success is a bad thing when it leads to arrogance. You know, you've you've seen companies that are now on the rubble heap of history that used to be juggernauts and just the king of their industry. You know, Kodak is a great one. Uh, you know, a lot of people growing up nowadays don't even know what Kodak is. But for the better part of half a century, if you wanted anything in film, you did Kodak. Kodak was the leading edge of anything, you know, optics, visual, things like that for photography. And here's something really crazy. They had the technology for the digital camera back in the 1970s, the 1970s. And when I read, when I heard about that, I was just shocked that something like that could even be possible. But they sat on it. They wanted to keep focusing on film. And for a while, that was probably a smart business move. You know, if everyone was still doing film, no one was necessarily comfortable with technology yet to do digital cameras, or maybe the technology wasn't good enough to handle it, that's probably a great idea to keep doing film. But they didn't catch the turn, and they didn't see, okay, the you know the public perception, the public tastes are changing, they want a different flavor, we need to give them what they want. They didn't do that. They stuck with it too long. And unfortunately, they paid the price for it. You know, um, another big company that comes to mind that really just didn't see it is Nokia. You know, there was a time in the late 90s, early 2000s that if you had a cell phone, it was a Nokia. It was a brick. The things didn't break. I mean, they would stop bullets. You could institute a mugging with them. And yet they didn't see the changes either. They didn't say, you know, people are moving away from the brick style phone with the buttons. They are going to the screen only and better cameras and color graphics. Young people, there was a time not too long ago when our phones had one color and it was green. It was not good. They were, they were horrible times. But it's important to remember, don't let success become this thing that makes you stop trying. And, and you get arrogant where you're like, we're the best. We'll stay the best. We'll always be the best. That's what all of these companies thought. They thought no one was going to catch them. They thought their market share would never change. They thought the customers are never going to leave us. And unfortunately, like many, many other companies, they've paid the price. So Success is a bad thing when it leads to arrogance. What else? Success is a bad thing when it leads to complacency. This is where you stop trying. You know, when a company, you know, hits that mark and they go, you know what? We're good enough. You know, we don't, we might not stay the best, but we'll stay good enough. We don't have to try anymore. And unfortunately, it was that trying, it was that hunger that made him successful in the first place. Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. He's written several books, but one of them, Good to Great, really talks about how so many of these companies 
And another book uh, called Search for the In the Search of Excellence really talks about how when these companies, these great innovators, lose their hunger, they really lose their drive. And when that happens, they stop innovating. You know, a really neat company that's kind of done the opposite of that is 3M. 3M's been around for a really long time, and it is it is corporate culture, company culture that we're always innovating. We're always trying something new. You know, they have thousands upon thousands of patents because they've preached a philosophy that everything we do is going to be for innovation because that's what keeps them hungry. That's what keeps them competitive in the market. And that's what keeps them innovating. So we don't want to be complacent. We want to be that company that stays hungry. And that can be very challenging, especially when you become successful because you think what I've done got me here. And you're right, but it won't keep you there. That's the biggie. Hunger is what's going to keep you there. Being always in search of something better, Continue, continuing the search for excellence. Now, no one ever expects you to be perfect, but if you're always striving to be better, to improve, to really give value to the customer, and to really make those technolo- technological breakthroughs, you know, whatever you're doing, you really have to stay hungry. You really have to stay driven to continue to improve regardless of the success you've had so far. You know, a lot of times that success can help fund the achievements for the future. You know, for a long time, the Apple II, one of the original computer, personal computers, really funded all of the other stuff that Apple was doing at the time because it was such a successful thing. But while it was so successful, they knew that they were going to have to keep competing and stay hungry and keep you know, innovating because this was, this was the birth of the, this is at the birth of, you know, personal computers. And they at least had the foresight enough to know that if we stop here, people are going to pass us. You know, this, this is going to be exponentially increasing and improving technology. And, and it has been, you know, ever since. So don't let success lead you to complacency. One more. When can success be a bad thing? Here's the last one. When it no longer aligns with your or your organization's values. Okay, this is where ethics come into play. You know, if you're a kind of company that strives to give value or a quality product and you stop doing that, regardless of what the success looks like on paper, you have stopped being successful because you're no longer aligned with your values. We've talked in previous podcasts how critical it is to always be in line with your values, whatever they are. Because if your team doesn't have a value set to align around. And if your customers don't know, you know, what it is that you value in your business, what it is they can expect from you, you're probably not going to be in business very long. Either you're going to run off all of your staff. So you have inferior employees or not enough employees and your customer service and performance suffers, or you're going to run off customers because they can't trust you. You know, they don't know what they're getting from you. Great example of the opposite of this happening was when Tylenol had to do a huge recall back in the 1980s. Big setup of this was one location that was distributing Tylenol reported somebody had died and they traced it back to the batch had been poisoned. Now, later it came to find out that it was a disgruntled employee who had done it to just, you know, at one location. But the company made the decision we're going to recall everything, we're going to take it off the shelves nationwide. Did they need to? No. And they probably could have gotten away with not doing it. But the amount of trust that they gained with the public by doing this was immeasurable. People actually got to see what corporations have been spouting for years. This whole 
people over profits thing. Normally, it doesn't come to fruition, but this time, the people who make Tylenol actually put their money where their mouth is and said, we're going to take it off the shelf. And they did. And they've been very successful ever since, partially because they kept and grew the public's trust in them. You know, in the early 2000s, we could list a litany of companies that no longer align with their values. You know, you had Enron and Tyco and WorldCom and all of these big players that on one side of their mouth were saying, we care about the employees, we care about the customers, we want to give value in the service we do. And the other side of their mouth, they're, you know, committing fraud by misreporting all of their financial reports and taking full advantage of their stock options and getting their golden parachutes. And they lost a lot of trust and not just the company lost trust, but the people who work for the company. You know, if, if you say I work for Enron or Tyco or one of these other big guys for a long time, that was a stigma and it still might be, I'm, I'm not sure, but you have to remember that just because you don't maybe own the organization or maybe you're not high up in it, at some point, that will reflect on you because you've chosen to work there. So really be thoughtful and intentional with where you choose to be employed. So we've defined what success looks like. We have, you know, we've said why maybe we should be cautious of how to handle success because it could lead us down a bad road. What does the Bible say about success? How do we address that from that angle? Well, There were a lot of verses on it, as there always are, because the Bible is just chock full of wisdom, timeless, useful, practical wisdom on so many subjects, because, I mean, it should be no surprise to anybody, God knew the human condition. God knew what we were going to struggle with, and and not just in a season, you know, from birth of time until the end of time, there's going to be certain aspects of the human condition that really are just timeless and don't change, And, and God really nailed that with what he said in the Bible and what he inspired others to write and what was manifested in Christ when he came to earth. You know, all of these things led to the understanding of the human condition. So let's look at a couple of them. Proverbs 16, three says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So here's, here's the caveat. Here's what's important to remember. God can only honor what is God honoring in the first place. God can only honor what is God honoring in the first place. So if you set up a very successful cocaine business, there's a really good chance God's not going to honor that. Not only because it's illegal, but because it's a poisonous product that you're putting out to people that's ultimately going to hurt them. It's going to destroy families. It's going to destroy bodies. It's going to destroy lives. So probably not something you're going to see success in, at least not biblical success. So it's really important to remember Whatever I'm doing, I want to commit that to the Lord, meaning I'm not ashamed to have to show this to God, to put my name behind it, because I know that this, whatever I'm doing, is God honoring, and I believe God will honor what is God honoring. Okay, let's look at another one. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a really famous verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, it's important to put this in context that he was talking to the Israelites at this point. So this isn't necessarily something that we can just take out of context and say, the Lord said this, it means this for me too. What's important to know is as God's children and as his most precious creation, we are already destined to be successful in what God has called us to do. Now, that gets kind of tricky. 
There's a lot of things God has probably called you to do. All of us are invested with many talents. So there's a really good chance that you could go in multiple directions and be successful. And then that's okay. That's great. Those are all things that are in line with the plan God has for your life. But it's really important, again, to remember that you want to be in right standing with God. You want to be doing things that not only are in line with the laws of man, but are in line with the laws of God. You know, so that way God can bless what you're doing because you have you've stayed under his umbrella of blessing. You have stayed in fellowship with him and he can reward you for that obedience. Let's look at another. Romans 12:2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What's interesting here is something we need to remember that our success may not look like the world's success. And you're going to see this a lot. I've I've started to experience this in my life. I'm sure it will continue where success for me and what I believe is true success does not always align with the, what the world sees as success. The world is very materialistic and not just in possessions, but in also what does it look like? You know, are you, do you have a big title? Do you have, do you have a lot of clout in your business? Do you, do you have the presence of power? You know, you might not. Uh, Sam Walton was a billionaire and drove around in a pickup truck. You know, Warren Buffett drives himself to work every day in a used, I mean, it's, it might have been new when he bought it, but it's certainly not new, Cadillac and goes to the McDonald's drive thru every morning. Now, this is a guy that could hire a team of chefs to prepare him his McDonald's meal every day. And I'm sure he could hire the right geneticists and scientists and everything to make it taste exactly like that. But this is a guy who has stayed humble, you know, and he he chose to do things a little differently. Now, I'm not saying Warren Buffett is is our moral pillar or moral compass here. What I'm trying to get across is success might not always look like what the world expects it to look like. And, and we need to be okay with that. We need to make sure that as long as we're in line with what God views as successful, as what God views as well done, my good and faithful servant, then that's all the success we'll ever need. Let's look at another. Matthew 16, 26, it says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What this verse is kind of telling us is, be cautious of choosing the world's success over God's. In the previous example, we talked about how they're two different things, and one might not align with the other. And so we always want to be on God's side, but really critical. And the second one is be really cautious of, you know, deciding whose success do I want to follow? You know, money's great and possessions are awesome. And those things inherently, there's nothing wrong with them. They're a neutral. They're neither good nor bad. It's how we use them. It's how we view them. You know, idolatry is simply just taking a good thing and making it the only thing. Tim Keller wrote a fantastic book on idolatry a few years ago. And that's kind of where I got that quote is, you know, there's all these different things that are really great things. They're not bad. It's the problem runs into when we make them higher than God essentially is what we're doing. You know, that's, that's really what idolatry comes down to. It's saying what has taken the place of God. So we really want to be careful and make sure that, you know, if we find success in the world, that's great. But we always want to make sure that is, that success does not contradict anything that God would have for our lives. And if it does, we really need to seriously consider walking away from that because it's always better to be on God's side than the world's side. Let's look at one more. Haggai 2.8 says this, The silver is mine, 
and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. We need to remember real success, you know, this this success of using your God-given talents to give a God-honoring return really always comes from God. You know, and this is one of those ways we don't want to get arrogant and thinking, I did this. It was all me and only me. That's the wrong way to look because everything we have, and we've talked about this previously, everything that we have comes from God. God's gracious mercy, God's generosity, allowing us to have the gifts that we have in our life, allowing us to have the prosperity, to have the providence, to have the blessing. All of that is a gift. And it needs to be seen that way because when we see what God has done for us as a gift, it changes everything about our perspective and our mindset and our decision-making because we know this didn't come from us. This could only have come from God. So how can we apply this concept of handling responsibility well in our professional lives? How do we go about doing this to where we're not arrogant, you know, we're not complacent, we're not doing anything immoral or you know, misaligning with our values? I have three points I'd like to make on that. First one is this. Point number one, put a mechanism in place to measure your goals on a regular basis. This could be something as simple as a planner. This could be something as like a sticky note. This is just something where you can write down what it is you want to accomplish. And the reason this is so important is because a goal that is not measured is a goal that is not achieved. You know, in order for us to really hit upon actual success of achieving our goals, we've got to put a goal out there. You know, and once we put it out there, we got to measure it. We got to keep track of it because we've got to be intentional in the tracking, you know, of the progress of our goals because we want to know when we need to correct course. You know, obviously, we want to know when we've achieved our goal and we can only know that by measuring it, but we also need to know am I on track or am I going in the wrong direction or do I need a little course correction to make sure I stay on track to really achieve my goals? So, point number one put a mechanism in place to measure your goals on a regular basis. We want to be consistent with this. Point number two, make sure your goals align with your values. In order to have real success, our accomplishments need to align with our values. You know, we kind of talked about this earlier. Once we're out of alignment with our stated values, we start to lose trust. And if you lose trust, you lose influence. And if you lose influence, you lose the ability to achieve things through other people because people don't want to follow people they don't trust. Sometimes they have to, but it's not because they want to. And that's what you really want. You want to have influence over people, not because they have to do something, but because they're attracted to you in in a way that says, I can trust this person. I want to be like this person. I want to model this person's behaviors. And if, if you haven't already done so, define and disseminate the values for yourself and for your organization. So for yourself, that's something you'd want to do with your family. You know, you would want to sit down and say, who are we as a family? You know, what? What do we want to give to? What do we want to be known generous for? You know, what, what are the things that we're going to rally around as a family? And as a corporation, it's really critical that you've defined your values for your team. Your team needs to know what is and is not okay. And that's how they're going to align and make sure that their actions are within the boundaries of what you as the organization have deemed appropriate. Because if they're not, Again, you're going to lose trust with the customer. And once that happens, it's a very slippery slope that can really take you down out of competition and possibly out of business. So make sure your goals align with your values. Last point, point three, celebrate victories along the way to achieving a larger goal. The effort required to achieve a large goal can can really wane. You know, 
people can get tired. They can kind of get dis- disillusioned with the fact that maybe this goal isn't coming up as quickly as they'd like it to. It's really critical that as you're going along the way, you recognize milestones, you know, because success isn't the very end of the line. Success is every step in the right direction. And that's how we have to think about it. You know, if we're always recognizing, you know, great job, you're still going north because I wanted you to go north. That's how we're going to get to our prize. That really inspires, that adds momentum, that adds that morale to your team because what you're telling them is it's not just an afterthought when we reach this end goal. That's not the goal, you know. Every, you know, the funny saying is that person's an overnight success. It only took them 20, 20 years to get there, you know. What we're saying is success happens every day that we make the right actions, the right decisions, because it's all putting us in the same direction as the goal we're trying to get to. So, and remember, celebrating small victories, that keeps morale high, it increases momentum towards reaching the organization's bigger goals. And as you're doing that, you're really building up the team in that they get to kind of see what the organization can accomplish when everybody's working together in the same direction. That really builds that confidence piece so that the next time, once you've achieved this goal, you can shoot a little higher because you know you're going to have the support of your team because they're ready to go with you on this journey because they know that they can trust you, that you've thought ahead, and that you're always going to have their interest at heart because you're always aligning around your values. As we close this week, I have a few final thoughts I'd like to share with you that you can kind of meditate on throughout the week. First thought is this. How will you measure the success of your current goals? What mechanisms are you going to put in place so you're always aware of where you're at in the process? Thought number two. How well do your current goals align with you and your organization's values? Okay, you've identified your own values. How do they line up with your goals? You've looked at your organization's values. How do they line up with your goals? This is an important question you want to answer for yourself. Last thought, what are some victories you need to celebrate now on your way to the bigger goal? Because remember, it's not the final destination that it gets us to success. It's every step in the right direction. I want to thank you for joining us this week. And remember, as followers of Christ, we are called to glorify God in our actions, to grow His kingdom through our example, to be a positive influence on others by doing the King's business. Thank you, and have a great week.